Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, outings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. What comes to mind when you think of a demon? A red beast with horns? A scaly goblin with a pitchfork? Demons come in all different shapes and sizes, but they all want one thing. Your soul. First, we'll hear about a little girl's troubling best friend. After that, we'll try to figure out why a girl is constantly finding herself in harm's way. Then, we'll observe a young medium attempt to banish an evil spirit. Then, we'll encounter the dangerous Fleekle, and finally, summon a Sludkishko. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Lauren and Lucy. The following story was inspired by Michael. I always felt like my parents didn't like me. I never really knew why for sure, but... I thought it was because I was a boy and they had always wanted a girl. So when my sister Lauren was born 10 years after me, my slightly older parents were very surprised, but also ecstatic. Our prayers to Satan worked, they joked sometimes. She was clearly my parents' favorite and I resented her for it. On top of that, she was a creepy little kid, always sneaking up behind me, trying to scare me or staring at me for no reason. And she had this annoying imaginary friend. Before Lauren did anything, she had to ask Lucy if she had his permission. I had always thought imaginary friends were a kind of coping mechanism for loneliness, but Lucy seemed kind of mean. I thought it was weird that Lauren would create an imaginary friend that seemed so unpleasant. But Lauren was a weird kid. So on her sixth birthday, we visited a very expensive theme park and stayed at the lavish hotel nearby. My parents pulled out all the stops for this trip. They bought her tons of souvenirs from the gift shop, hats, shirts, a fancy collectible letter opener and coin, even a giant stuffed animal of Padraic, the theme park mascot. 
Meanwhile, I turned sweet 16 at home with no fanfare. Anyway, after our first day at the park, we settled into our rooms. My parents were staying in the room connected to us, and Lauren and I had a room all to ourselves. And Lucy, I guess. I was ready to curl up with my book on my bed. Lauren was on the other side of the room, playing with her brand new toys and mumbling to herself as usual. I was so focused on my book that I was able to completely tune Lauren out, but not for long. After a few minutes, I could hear her breathing heavily right by my bed. I told her to go away and play on her own, and she did. Then another few minutes went by and she was right back at my bed. She looked kind of scared, but I was so annoyed that I didn't care. Ugh, can you please just go away? I shouted at her. Her face contorted into a frown as she headed back to her side of the room again. She continued mumbling to herself even louder this time. Five, 10, maybe 15 minutes had passed and I was deep in my book. Then I heard Lauren near me again. No, I'm not going to do it, stop it, no! I looked up from the pages and she was standing right by my bed again, holding her sharp souvenir letter opener over my head. And then I saw something even more horrifying. I saw what I assumed was Lucy. He was a hideous, scaly humanoid creature, hovering behind my sister like a puppet master, controlling a marionette. I could see the pain in Lauren's eyes as she was trying to fight Lucy's grip. And suddenly, it all made sense to me. All her odd behavior, she wasn't trying to hurt me. She was trying to do the opposite. Waves of guilt rushed over me and I regretted hating my sister for so many years. Just as I was about to grab the letter opener from her hands, she said, take me instead. And the blade plunged into her tiny body. I began screaming my head off and my parents rushed into the room. They saw me hovered over my sister's bleeding body and their already existing disdain for me became even more apparent. I tried to explain that I didn't do it and that it was all Lucy's fault and their fault for selling their soul to Lucifer in the first place. But it was no use trying to explain. So that's why I'm here, locked away. No clue for how long. My parents never visit. They finally got rid of me, just like I'm pretty sure they always wanted. But they also lost their little girl. And honestly, I'm a little worried that they're going to try for another one again. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And now, more Something Scary. This next story is an email from a listener in response to the near-death episode. 
Hi, Sapphire. I was just catching up on your latest few podcast episodes when I noticed some strikingly familiar details in Madison's story. My whole life, even since before I was born, my life has been inexplicably saved repeatedly from potentially lethal circumstances. I won't list them all since that could take hours, but here are the ones that stood out to me the most. The first was when my mom, supposedly infertile and having suffered two miscarriages, was told by a pastor that if she wasn't pregnant already, that she soon would be. She didn't have the chance to ask what he meant. But a few weeks later, she was having some final tests run before being put on medication for life that would, while saving her life, cement the impossibility of her having kids. These tests all came back negative, but revealed that she was pregnant with me and nothing seemed to be wrong. The second time occurred nine months later, when I was born not breathing. I spent some hours in the ICU and was resuscitated three times before fully coming to life. My earliest memory is of falling while trying to climb out of my crib. But while I was clearly falling headfirst, an instant later, I found myself sitting upright on the floor just outside my room. Years later, I fell out of a tree and was paralyzed from the waist down for hours. But by the end of a long night in the ER, I was able to walk again. The doctors never could explain what happened. Two or three years later, I was riding my bike to school when my brake went out on a steep hill before a busy intersection. Halfway across the intersection, I could have sworn someone shoved me from behind, but I hardly noticed that as I sailed past a semi-truck, missing by inches thanks to that push, and made it to the other side of the intersection, shaken but safe. And just a year ago, I was in a parking garage with my mom while on some pain medication that hadn't worn off yet, leaving me a little out of it, when I stepped into the driveway without looking both ways. My mom instantly pulled me back out of the way of a car that had been speeding down the ramp. Neither of us can explain how she managed to pull me back so quickly when she had been on the other side of our truck a mere second before. The list goes on, but you get the idea. From miraculous healings to invisible hands and bodiless voices, my life has been inexplicably protected over and over since before many people would even consider me alive. While I am a Christian, the concept of guardian angels always seemed a little unbelievable to me until I considered all these incidents. Now, whether this really is the work of a guardian angel or some other kind-hearted entity, I'm grateful. But like you said at the end of Madison's story, it's a little scary when you consider just how many deaths we've dodged. Your words got me thinking. Is it possible that there's some kind of demon that like a guardian angel, latches itself onto a person for the sake of doing them harm? Honestly, I haven't done my research on demons, so I don't know what the likelihood is. It's just a thought that hit me when I heard your podcast. If possible, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on this possibility or if you've heard any other possible explanations. Anyway, if you made it down this far, thanks for reading my lengthy essay here. I tried to shorten it as much as possible, but that's easier said than done. I hope you're able to see this and respond, but if not, I understand. Thanks for reading. Viola May. Thank you so much for your email, Viola May. I don't know if these spirits are intentionally trying to cause harm to people. Usually the case is that if somebody has something attached to them, they fall into depression or 
anger. Um, basically, these spirits are sucking their energy. Um, but I don't think I've heard of any stories specifically like yours where they're intentionally trying to get you killed. So if anybody listening has any advice for Viola May, please send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Our next chapter comes from Haley, who is a medium. This is their experience trying to get rid of a demon. Hi, Ate Sapphire. I am a medium. I have had similar experiences to a story you posted a few months ago. I didn't realize my ability fully until I heard that story. I decided it was time for me to tell people about my gift. I manifested this ability when I was about six years old. After that, I almost always felt or saw spirits and demons, and still do. This isn't something that happened to me, though. This happened to one of my friends. We'll call this friend Tammy. When I first met Tammy, I had sensed a darkness about her. She seemed a little scary, too, so I assumed that it was her presence. Once I got to know Tammy, I realized she was just a super sweet girl with nothing creepy about her. I just tried to ignore the dark feelings I felt whenever I hung out with her. This continued for a few months until she finally started to talk about something that shocked me. She was cursed. She explained that she had constant bad luck and how she was often sick. She told me it started when she was four, when her imaginary friend began to follow her everywhere. This is when she realized her imaginary friend wasn't so imaginary. She described how she wouldn't be able to control her hands sometimes and would draw disturbing pictures or write cryptic messages. She sounded crazy, but I believed her. I don't know why I did, but something in my head just told me she was telling the truth. A few days later, I started to notice a shadowy figure following me. I started getting sick and bad luck seemed to trail me, just like Tammy. There was a time when I was sick in the hospital for a few days, missing schoolwork and the rest of my life. That's when I knew we needed to confront this demon. I started talking to Tammy about getting rid of the demon, but she said there was no need. The demon was gone. Her life had reworked itself. No more bad luck, no more illnesses. But I knew the real reason. It was true the demon had left Tammy, but instead it had latched onto me. I knew that I would have to get rid of the demon myself. I worked tirelessly to research how to get rid of it. Many said to go to a church, others said pray, but the only thing that worked was a banishing spell, some sage, and a whole lot of holy water. I went out into the woods behind my house with a few friends, including Tammy. These friends were all aware of the demon that I had been living with, and Tammy before. I continued with the chant, lit the sage with a lighter I had stolen from my mother's drawer, and spread the holy water in the pattern the website had described. After repeating the spell several times, the atmosphere seemed to change. It was lighter, the darkness disappearing into the forest around us. None of us really talk about it to this day, but it was an interesting experience that I wanted to share that can hopefully help out anyone else cursed by a demon. Do you have any suggestions as well? Thank you for your email, Haley. Um, Viola May, if you're listening, uh, what a great email to follow your question. 
Um, I'm not entirely sure the specific banishing spell that Haley used here, but maybe that'll help you with detaching whatever it is that has attached itself to you. Our next story is a true tale from Jason. When I was 10 years old in 1986, I was quite the daredevil. What others told me was dangerous, I thought was a challenge. One day, I was passing by an old cabin at the edge of town, heading towards the woods my parents had forbidden me to go to. They said it was dangerous, and that if I went, I would die, like my older brother did. I never believed them, and thought maybe I could find what scared them so much. Maybe it was just a squirrel or a coyote pack that scared them. While I was passing the cabin, something caught my eye. I looked up to the doors and saw scratch marks with what looked like dried blood. Even though at the time I would never admit it, that did scare me. It was starting to get dark since I had left at dusk. The sun was nearly vanished from the sky overhead. I stopped at the edge of the woods and stared into the darkness. A chill ran up my spine and I thought about going back. I didn't want to though. I wanted to see why everybody was so afraid of these woods. And so... I took a deep breath and walked inside. I held a flashlight up so I could see. It wasn't really that bad at first, just what you'd expect to see in a forest at night. Owls, frogs, fireflies. I even saw a couple spiders crawling in their webs. And then I heard it, a voice calling from ahead. It was a scream, calling for help. I jumped and turned around, running away from the sound but it seemed to get louder the further I ran away. I thought I was going home when I saw a break in the trees ahead. I ran into the opening and stopped. The ear-piercing screams had suddenly vanished. In fact, sound itself seemed to vanish. My flashlight flickered and eventually went out. I shook it and hit it against my hand, surrounded by suffocating pitch-black darkness. It refused to come back on. Then I heard a sound, not from ahead of me. No, from behind me. It sounded like a low growl, then the crying of a young girl. Help me, please. It sounded like it was coming from the edge of the woods. I turned and saw nothing. I walked towards the voice and called out as my eyes adjusted to the darkness. Please. Where are you? There was nothing for a few minutes before the voice came back. I'm over here, Jason. It didn't sound afraid anymore. In fact, it sounded like my mother now. Mom? I went deeper into the woods. Jason, I was worried sick. I felt relieved. I ran to the voice and then stopped. A heavy stench filled my nose and I gagged. I covered my face, my flashlight dropping. It smelled like a rotting fish, and feces. Maybe both? I don't remember exactly. All I know is that it was unbearable. The flashlight flickered and slowly turned on. I looked up, and standing nearly five feet away from me was what seemed to be the rotting corpse of a very large dog. It looked like it was as tall as the trees around me. What scared me, though, was its skinned face, the eyes bulging out and staring at me. I froze in fear. 
its mouth hung open, strands of human hair hanging off its neck and skull. Jason, why did you leave? It spoke in a lower voice now, yet it sounded close to that of the accusing voice of my older brother, John, who had died when I was three. You left me alone to die, Jason, and now I'll let him take you too. The mouth shut before opening again as it screeched loudly, a high-pitched mix of children screaming with that of the howl of a wolf. It lunged at me, and I ran. I jumped over logs and squeezed through trees. I could still hear it screaming behind me as I ran. I didn't stop until I made it home. The screaming had ceased. I ran to my mother and hugged her, covered in cuts and scratches. I cried. It knew my name, Mama. It knew my name! I eventually calmed down and, with a shaky voice, told her the whole story. She held me tight and looked both relieved and mad at me. You're very lucky to have escaped it, Jason. What you ran into, what you saw, was a fleekle, a beast that copies the voices of loved ones and uses them to lure young children into the woods. And then it kills and eats them, using their scalps to cover its decaying body. I tell this story to my children and my grandchildren and hope that they carry this story not as entertainment, but as a warning. Thank you for that story, Jason. There seems to be a lot of creatures that have the ability to copy voices of loved ones so that they trick you into coming closer to them. It's a pretty genius power and a absolutely terrifying one. And now we've reached our final chapter. This is from Maggie, who summoned something she probably shouldn't have. I grew up in the 90s in a fairly small town in Bulgaria. Being a mixed-race child in a closed-minded town, I didn't have that many friends. My mother was mentally ill and very religious, which at times proved to be a bad parenting combination. She was often in and out of the crazy house, as she referred to it. So during her hospitalizations, I would be left to the care of my baba, or grandma. During such an episode, me and two other girls, Amelia and Clarissa, decided to play a paranormal game. They were quite popular at the time, with names slightly different than the ones in the English-speaking world. We had Bloody Mary, but instead we called it Joker, and you'd expect a jester to come out of the mirror and tell you a joke. If you laugh, he'd allegedly get out of the mirror and strangle you. I wasn't sure why anyone would want that and was determined to stay away from games played in dark rooms or ones that involve potentially harmful spirits. My mom had warned me to stay away from such games altogether. The church we went to even requested parents prohibit their children from reading Harry Potter. So it would be safe to say that I had no clue about the paranormal apart from a cautionary tale that my mom told me. So when my mom was around eight years old, Baba had consulted a medium who let her speak to her dead mother. She had made a grim prediction that in 13 days, one of my Baba's children would fall ill, so either my uncle or my mom. On the 13th day, my Baba was called to my mom's school, and she ended up taking her to the hospital for an appendix removal. Nothing good comes out of trying to communicate with spirits, my mom warned me. You may think you are talking to your dead loved ones, 
but you're not. They're just demons, and nothing good comes out of a summoned demon. My friends had a different idea on the subject. They said that they had heard of a game that brought good luck and fortune. The rules were really simple. You cannot play alone. You'll need a piece of candy or chocolate and a blanket. Once you have all the tools, you need to sit in a preferably quiet place, cover yourself with a blanket, close your eyes, cup the candy or chocolate in your hands, and call out, Sludkishko, come, three times. And then wait. The spirit of Sludkishko was supposed to eat the candy and offer you good luck in return. We spent some time arguing on the authenticity of such games, but in the end, we decided to give it a go. We assembled all the tools. I got a blanket from our closet. We each contributed for the chocolate bar and then picked a place near our homes where there was a patch of grass. And we set up camp. We agreed that in order to avoid foul play, and by that I mean the designated holder of the candy taking a bite from it, we decided to all put our hands together. We threw the blanket over our heads. My hands cupped the chocolate piece, then Amelia's over mine, and then Clarissa's hands over Amelia's. With our eyes closed, we called out, Sludkishko, come. Sludkishko, come. Sludkishko, come. And we waited. As a child, time goes really fast. I guess we got fuzzy after like a minute. We threw the blanket off and opened our eyes. The chocolate piece in our hands looked a little melted, but we assumed it was probably the heat. I was disappointed. See, I told you he isn't real. I told my friends. He is. We just didn't give him enough time to eat, probably, said Clarissa. So we got back under the blanket again. This time, Clarissa cupped the chocolate, then Amelia, then me. Sludkishko, come. Sludkishko, come. Sludkishko, come. We waited. Ow! Clarissa yelped and jumped back. We threw the blanket off this time and removed our hands on top of one another's. I was shocked to see a small piece from the chocolate missing and baby teeth marks imprinted on the little brown block. I also saw a trail of red running down Clarissa's hand. Sludkishko didn't just eat the chocolate. He tore through Clarissa's fingers. We all began to panic and wrapped Clarissa's hand in the blanket. She was crying hysterically, and we suddenly heard the laugh of a child. <laughs> Amelia and I screamed, and we rushed out of the area, carrying Clarissa. I returned to my baba and explained what had happened. She just shook her head and brought Clarissa to the hospital. My baba explained that Clarissa had gripped the chocolate too hard, and the Sludkishko had seen it as a game. He would go through anything to get his chocolate even human flesh. We all swore to never play the game again and to bid Sledkishko farewell. Now I am in my late 20s, and whenever I tell this story to my friends, I am normally met with, memories change over time, or you probably remember the incident differently. But I know what I saw that day. I wish I had kept in touch with Clarissa. If they could see her missing finger, I'm sure they'd believe. Lauren and Lucy was inspired by Michael. Audio for this story edited by Johnny Ashley. All other story scripts edited by Adam Sinker and Sapphire Sindalo. Music and audio editing for this podcast by Sapphire Sindalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary at snarled.com. 
Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.